everyone, and welcome to a supplement episode of Raptors in the Kitchen, where this is not going to be an episode um, involving the weekly news and films that we've seen. Uh, rather, this is going to focus on uh, the Mission Impossible franchise, because Mission Impossible Fallout is due out soon. Me and Neil thought we'd revisit all the Mission Impossible films and do a wee episode and talk about it. So this is what we're going to go going to do today. I'm Tommy Vass, and I am joined by Neil McCulloch. Um, Good afternoon. Yes, uh, Paco Rodriguez is unavailable. No, he's not. And by uh, he's, sit, he's sitting behind you playing Destiny. And by unavailable, his game. <laughs> and by unavailable, I mean he just didn't or couldn't be bothered doing this. <laughs> How's it going, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually right beside the microphone. It's true. Get off! Um, You're he, not part of this podcast. Get off! He he might <laughs> chime in every now and then, uh, so we'll wait and see. By by chime in, do you mean he will shout out random things which he believes is correct about films he's probably not watched in years? Well, I, I don't think so. I think uh, I don't think Paco's going to shout random stuff. Uh, about films he's not seen in years, um, because I don't. <laughs> I don't know. We, it's funny actually. Before we started, me and him were having a conversation about music, and uh, fucking hell, we, we got into the subject of. Uh, uh, I was like, "Yeah, do you know who Mike, Mike and the Mechanics are?" And they're like, "Yeah, they did that film for the Lost Boys." And I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what?" And then it was like, "He's like, ah, oh, you know, the people are strange." I'm like, "That's a Doors song, <laughs> and it's not Mike and the Mechanics that sing that." And then we looked up and it yeah, was... Yeah, because the Lost Boys is Echo and the Bunnymen. It, it is Echo and the Bunnymen. And then we started talking about that and then we talked about how the, the opening of Donnie Darko is amazing with, uh, again, Echo and the Bunnymen featuring in the soundtrack for that. Uh, and we then got into the subject of what's your favourite John Lovitz film? <laughs> <laughs> to which I... Oh, that's an interesting choice. It is an interesting question uh, because question, I, was like, sorry. I was like, man, I, I actually don't know... Because, it, I mean, I want to say happiness because I mean he's absolute gold in that film. He's champagne, in fact. Yeah, probably, um, probably would be happiness. I know, but although what, although his cameo in the uh, the wedding singer, he's great. Is that. still one of my favourite bits ever. Yeah, and he's great in Southland Tales as well. Again, uh, that's right. Yeah. Just like man, well, Lovitz doesn't really. He's not a leading man. He's just that kind of guy that's there, but he's usually the one of the best things about a film. But anyway, John Lovitz does not feature that, in the That mission. cartoon series he had, The Critic. The what, sorry? The the Critics. He used to be a, he used to have a cartoon series called The Critic, okay. which was very good. All right, I haven't heard of that then. Okay. Well, however, uh, John Lovitz doesn't feature in any of the Mission Impossible films, so let's get cracking. So, as I said, Mission Impossible Fallout will be coming to theatres very shortly. July 25th. I believe that is on the 25th, Tommy. Oh, uh, Paco just chimed in there, July 25th, um, but we are going to go back all the way to, I believe, 1996. When... 1996, yep, 16-year-old Neil McCullough. Fucking hell, man, we are old as shit. Um, 1996, when Tom Cruise uh, <clears throat> decided to become a producer, and the first project that he chose was the Mission Impossible TV show film adaptation um, and it is Mission Impossible, it's directed by Brian De Palma um, the screenplay I believe is by Robert Town who won an Oscar yes, yes, who won yes. an Oscar for uh, Chinatown and um, 
I think he wrote the screenplay for the second one, but we'll get to that anyway. But yeah, um, <laughs> he did write the screenplay for the second one, which is fucking incredible given what the, <laughs> yeah. the second one entails. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. The we second will get one to that. Too. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mission Impossible one or Mission Impossible. Uh, Neil, do you want to give us a quick synopsis? Right. Okay. The IMF is an acronym for Impossible Mission Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It's. And, <laughs> this is a question which I have throughout the entire series. Right. Is that who do they work for? They're like. Are they? Are they? Yeah. Like, because, like in this one, they're based out of Langley, mm. which is the CIA headquarters. Yeah. Which is again. So that would suggest that a government agency. Yeah. And then the second one, it doesn't matter. The third one, they they still seem like a government agency. Yeah, and then but then by the fourth one, they seem to be autonomous. Yeah, and then by the fifth one, the CIA are trying to liquidize. And they met. They, uh, no, yeah, I. But the fifth one at the start, they're trying to liquidize them. Sorry, Rogue, they, Rogue Nation's the fifth one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I meant that. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. The CIA, I take them over. Yeah, so um, it's, it's strange. They, they just seem to be, I mean, again, given the way this film starts, because it is based on a popular TV show with an iconic soundtrack, um, you just kind of are launched into this world. You've got that soundtrack yeah. that everyone knows, the main theme, and then it's just, yeah, the IMF are just, uh, they're just an agency, like yeah. almost like a black so, ops agency that just deal that, with stuff. Right, That that's kind of the conclusion that I came to. Yeah. By kind of halfway through Rogue Agent, Rogue uh, Nation, Nation mm-hmm. is that they're kind of like ISIS from Archer, and that <laughs> they're just a, they're just a black ops, uh, almost mercenary type intelligence agency. Yeah, it, it's kind they of get, like, they get brought in by governments as and when they need them. Yeah, as and when they need them, and mop up a mess relatively, yeah. you know, like discreetly, so that there's going to be. I mean, in every mission, well, in the Mission Possible TV series and in the film, whenever Ethan Hunt or anybody is tasked with mission, is your mission should you choose to accept it is blah 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 blah. If you're caught or killed, we will disavow any knowledge of you. So it is basically that is their well, job. That that suggests is Black Ops. Yeah, exactly. Right. So go for it, Mission so Possible. That, that, that being said, so this Black Ops group have been sent in uh, to infiltrate uh, a function in Prague. Mm-hmm. Where uh, there's a knock list, which is a list of all the real identities of all active agents in the field, mm-hmm. which uh, they're trying to prevent being stolen and sold to an uh, arms dealer uh, who's called Max. So yes. you have Ethan Hunt, which is Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. You have Jim Phelps, who's John Voight, who uh, only watching it this week. I realised that John Voight is the Peter Graves character from the original series. Right, okay. So that's the continuity mm-hmm. into this film. Um, which then makes the the kind of turn uh, a bit more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Claire, who's played by Emmanuel Bert, who's useless. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of our, the this covert team, who all have just one name but no character you've got Kristen Scott Thomas uh, Emilio Estevez oh there was one more woman wasn't there yeah um, is it not no it's not Vanessa Redgrave she comes no, later on she's, 
Damn it. <clears throat> I forgot. Shit, 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 man, I forgot. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Somebody I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, the op goes wrong. They have to abort. Team gets killed. Cruz gets the blame. Hunt gets the blame. Mm-hmm. From there, it rolls on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hunt gets the blame. And then the film becomes about uh, Ethan Hunt basically trying to find out the truth. Obviously haunted by the fact that all his team had been taken out and whatnot. Um, yeah. Oh, we should probably preface that uh, there will be spoilers in this podcast. Yes. For 20, uh, 21 year old, uh, sorry, 22 year old films. Yes, exactly. Uh, and films from like two years ago as well. Yeah, this is so, absolutely spoilerific. Um, but yeah, so again, you, I mean, so I mean that is the gist of the film. There's not really much else to say about the plot. Um, what I'll say is, yes, I was re-watching this film. It's been a while since I've watched uh, MI1. Um, I <laughs> Brian De Palma is very much an otter, and his fingerprints. Are, <laughs> that's that's not the word I would have called him. It's very it's very much his fingerprints are. <laughs> all over this like you can tell it's a Brian De Palma film from the camera angles the direction and everything and yeah and, I, I 100% agree with that from the minute it starts yeah you can tell it's a Brian De Palma film yeah. and I, I think De Palma's a bit of a hack to be honest okay uh, I think he's a very good hack right but he's, he's quite hacky in the way that he does a lot of stuff okay. like he rips off so much of like Hitchcock mm-hmm. and everything that he does. Um, like from the angles, the way he lights a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. the way so much of it looks like it's shot on a soundstage. Even yeah. though I remember watching videos, sorry, like they used to do back in the day, they used to have television and they used to show like programs about films being made on this box called a television mm-hmm. uh, and I remember seeing like th- this footage of this film getting filmed in Prague right. so I know it wasn't shot on a soundstage yeah. but somehow De Palma because of the way he lights it and the angles that he does yeah. and the camera motions like the Dutch, all the, oh man there's so many Dutch tilts yes. in this film yes um he, make, he manages to make this real-life place look like a soundstage. It's strange as well, man. Like, De Palma being, given his um, history, he is a strange choice to be handed the reins of this big-budget blockbuster. Because, I mean... Yeah, because he's Tom, a hack. <laughs> Tom Cruise was, like, arguably at this point the Well, biggest... no, because... Look, De Palma, he's made big films like Scarface, The yeah. Untouchables... Yeah, it's well, just, he it's, is. He it's, has a wooden studio, and it, it's Paramount that's making it. Hmm. And all of you, and like Scarface is part. No, Scarface is Universal, isn't it? Um, I'm sure the Untouchables is Paramount. It's Carlito's way. Yeah, Carl- oh, so that you, might be Universal. Yeah, but the the point is, I I think he's a he's a strange one for this kind of film because this is typically not the kind of film that De Palma goes for uh, given its story but getting back to his actual style one of the problems with Mission Impossible and again as I said re-watching it so I have seen it before so I know how it goes within minutes you know who the villain is 
You know yeah. how everything plays out because, like you said, there's a lot of hacky, schlocky performances on showing people dying or not being involved or maybe being involved. Like, I'll tell you one thing, right? This is uh, this is kind of nothing to do with anything. This is just kind of a side note. See when Emilio Estevez dies, you see it. It gets a fucking spike through his face. And I'm like, Jesus, why did they linger on that right. shot? That was brutal. I, I also have an issue with that is... Why do those spikes appear? Because they pop out. Yeah, do they? Do yeah, you know I never like, noticed that. So you see, right? You see it go up, and just before it gets there, they pop down as if somebody's released a flap. Now, see if he wasn't sitting on that, mm-hmm. because the that that elevator systems um, emergency stop kind of things. Mm-hmm. Are they supposed to plow into the roof of the lift? Because surely the force the the, uh, left's going at, they would pierce through, possibly kill people. Well, this is also true. Seems like very, very bad design. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. That that bit made no sense to me about uh, Estevez. Um, And then, as I said, like... You know that Estevez doesn't even get credited? Yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? Because, I mean, he's still a relatively big name. Round about that time. I mean, his career was but, kind of floundering uh, at that point. As a, as as, a... That's, a, that's a thing I've noticed, though, uh, going through them and taking notes mm-hmm. um, and looking at like cast lists on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of the kind of bigger name people in, in them actually go uncredited. Well, I think because, as, as we were saying, Tom Cruise at this point was the biggest movie star uh, on the planet. So he probably was like not a Tom Cruise No, picture. no, I, I don't think it, it's not like that because all your main players mm-hmm. get credits deserved. But see, like the kind of wee guest folk, like Anthony Hopkins doesn't get credit for MI2. Hmm. Uh, who else was it? MI3, I think everybody does. Uh, Tom Wilkinson doesn't get one for Ghost Protocol. Hmm. Uh, and it was somebody in Rogue Nathan. I just never wrote it down. Okay, but... Um... Yeah, so anyway, back to MI1. So again, my thing about it is, like, see the way, like, Jim Phelps, quote-unquote, dies? It just I... looks shite. You're like, he's not dead. He's yeah. absolutely not dead. And then later on, they bring him back. You're like, oh, man, turns out he wasn't dead. It's like, yeah, but he's absolutely the villain. We, we all, yeah. You know that from that but, scene. That but by that, but by that, that point, uh, even though you've... See, as soon as you kind of you see him... You go, oh fuck! You must be the baddie. But at that point, you kind of know that anyway. Mm. But I think it's quite good in that it's been pieced along at the same kind of pace yeah. as Cruz is, because Cruz knows mm-hmm. before he reappears, which is good, or at yeah. least he he thinks he knows, and uh-huh. that scene is just there to then confirm his suspicions. That's true. That's very true. I mean, strange, on a strange note, um, Peter Graves. Uh, who played Jim Phelps in the original series, and there was another guy who played him in the next TV series version, mm-hmm. were both raging that Jim Phelps had been made the villain of this film. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but I actually think it was a good idea, Yeah. knowing that it became a franchise, Yeah. because that's a kind of proper passing of a torch that it needed, because yeah. like, Ethan Hunt was a made-up character. Yeah. He's like an amalgamation of a, a couple of the original characters. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's a, a decent pass of the torch and it is a way to start off, which, I mean, this this was a franchise. I mean, it's you don't take a, a, 
you don't take a work like Mission Impossible as a TV show, a successful TV show at that, and want to make one film. It's like the re- this is a spy film with a, with a with a fictional black ops team. It's like no, this is room for adventures. This is definitely a franchise, and I think it is absolutely right that they made uh, Jim Phelps the villain because it makes yeah. sense going from then. It's like, well, it's about Ethan Hunt because that's ultimately what a lot of the series is about. Um, I. I mean, I actually liked Mission Impossible one again. Rewatching, oh like, yeah, I think it holds up. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it looks, it absolutely looks like it was filmed in 1996. Uh, oh, let's see the bits where they're doing the internet. <laughs> in 19, well, it would have been 1995 at the early, in the yeah. latest, probably internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hilarious because I remember it being that bad. <laughs> But yeah, man, it was. Uh, I I I enjoyed it though, man. It's it's it goes along at a decent pace. It's a nice kind of espionage thriller. It kind of captures what the whole Mission Impossible thing is going to be or was. The only thing is, obviously, there's that the sequence at the end. You're like, listen, John Voight is a hundred years old. There's <laughs> the, that... also like he's a hundred years old. But see, before that, yeah. when he's got. Hunt in his sights, uh-huh. and Emmanuel Bert's there going, oh, I, don't, I don't know what was there, just kill him. Yeah. That was my Emmanuel Bert impression, it's supposed to be breathy in French. Yeah. yeah. It's all she can do. Yeah. Uh, why does he shoot her first? Yeah, that doesn't shoot make any... he doesn't. She doesn't have a gun? Yeah, he shoots her, and then he leaves Hunt, who is ultimately his foe in the whole thing. <laughs> he could absolutely end his life there and then, but, you know, that's... That's logic, folks, and it's, uh, dumb. it's like it's very dumb. You don't. Yeah. I mean, you're like Jim Phelps, supposed to be a veteran of this whole thing, and he's masterminded this whole thing. So why the fuck did he not take out the only person that can take him down there yeah. and then? Um, but yeah, and then you get the the helicopter sequence, which again it looks okay. It's ridiculous. It's, it's nine, 1996 it's, CG. It's no, 1996, it's... and it's ridiculous how it plays out. Oh yeah, stupid as fuck. Yeah, but that but whole fight on top of the train is ridiculous. Yeah, you're like, would you? This is not what would happen. <laughs> but um, all in all, I thought it was a very enjoyable first instalment to the franchise. Yeah, well, it's it's well plotted. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, a lot of the stuff's obvious, but it's not obvious in a way that it detracts from your enjoyment of the no. film. It actually, kind of feels like you're rolling along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got solid set pieces, like the bit where they try and steal the real knock list from Langley. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really good sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sequence that kind of defined the, season, the entire franchise Yeah, and that it may, felt it has to keep getting bigger Yeah, because of that sequence. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the base level of what's expected. Yeah. Kind of like the Fast and the Furious in that way, where uh, yeah. as a franchise it's had to get bigger yeah, and a lot true. of the stuff that it does. That's true. Um, um, but yeah, so yeah, that was Mission Impossible 1. I don't really have much else to say about it. No, it's, it's worth watching again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've kind of got a wee weird system going where I've been rating Tom Cruise's haircuts throughout them. Right, okay. <laughs> And uh, uh, they're all Tom very Cruise much of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, they are. They are very yeah. much of the time. Uh, and this one, he has a very short buzz cut, 
very, quite militaristic. Uh, mm-hmm. He looks like he's maybe been off duty for maybe six months and has grown back in a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, I rate it a seven. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's functional. Riley. And makes him look makes him look like he could be a spy. I quite like where this is going because there's no doubt going to be footnotes to what Tom Cruise's haircut means in terms of his job of the next couple of missions. Um, <laughs> right, so that moves us on swiftly to uh, Mission Impossible Two, which I believe was two thousand or was it two? It was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, the first ever DVD I bought. For my big ass DVD player back in the day. It was day. the second DVD I bought. The first one was Gladiator. All right, uh, I got. What did I get? What did I get for you in my DVD player? Which was the size of fucking. Well, looking back, it's like that was the size of a truck. It was fucking huge. Uh, I, it was oh, it was Final Destination One and yes. Vertical Limit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, very much. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, and then I bought MI2 because I love the look of it. Because it's a tit. It really is. So we're going to. So they, they go in a they drastically change pace for Mission Impossible 2. Can I, can I say that I honestly believe that MI2 takes place in an alternate universe to every other MI movie? Aye. Of course you can because, again, Mission Impossible 2 is such a. It's so weird because it's, it's such a beezer, but it's. Not a good Mission Impossible oh, film. No, it's a terrible Mission yeah, Impossible film. But it's a belter action, action film, man. Like, okay, so Brian De Palma's out. <laughs> John Woo. Woo! Uh, John Woo, director of Hard Target and Face Off, is in. He directed many other films, but I'm just going to... I'll put Face Off as absolutely the example here because... Yeah. You could easily do a double bill of Face Off and Mission Impossible Two, which is kind of what I did. Because after I watched MI Two, I'm like, man, I really want to watch Face Off now. Because again, much it's very differently. This is pretty. This is a John Woo film featuring the IMF team. Do you know? I don't. I don't think it even mentions the letters IMF. No, it about doesn't. it. And it's also, like we said about uh, MI1 being 1996, this is very much turn of the, the millennium. Oh yeah, this is definitely, this is a film that started production in like 98 yeah. and finished in 99, but released in 2000. Yeah. And you can tell that it's on that cusp of the the coming millennium. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, absolutely. It, kind of, it looks weird. Like, yeah. Because so like when you walk, when you jump from MI one to even the the horrible slickness and washed out look of MI three, yeah, which is a very modern film of its time, yeah, all three of them are so different just to look at, yeah, in terms of I don't want to say picture quality because it's not as the type of film stock that they've used. Yeah, it's just that it's the like we said, it's it's the time it was made. Yeah, is very much embraced. The fact that MI two featured a cover of sorry featured a song by Limp Bizkit which samples the Mission Impossible theme that's in the film. the The start of the film when Tom it's Cruise, got a Metallica song in it at one point. It does I I disappear? It's, which I really I, I used to have that soundtrack album. <laughs> I had the MI2 soundtrack as well. It was the first time I came in contact with uh, a band called the Butthole Surfers. 
yep. which are oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I remember that, but yeah, it's like Tom Cruise is scaling um, this huge fucking cliff. Well, no, you get there's a bit in the start before that. No, what I was going to say was talking about the, right. the pop culture of the time. Like right. when Cruise gets his mission, it's a pair of sunnies that every cool guy in school has. I pair of Oakleys, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Neil, I'll tell it's you also what. he's also jacked. He, See when he, he's climbing that mountain, yeah, he's ripped. Yeah, he's ripped as shit, man. Um, again, if you want, do you want to continue with the synopsis of? The you you take this one. You take this one, Tommy, right. because. The synopsis to me does not matter for this film. Yeah, so things just happen. <laughs> yeah, in right. So Mission Impossible Two starts off with a plane being hijacked, um, because um, a known scientist has, um, shit, I'm, I'm gonna mix it up. He basically has a known uh, disease. Right, chimeras the disease. Chimeras the disease. Yeah, so. He has been in contact with Tom Cruise. Um, his contact and uh, sorry, has been in contact with Tom Cruise, and is on the plane with Tom Cruise discussing what they're going to do uh, when it lands. He's told them about. He, he hasn't told them. He, he's injected himself with it, but basically, he's talking about how, um, like you know, I've invented this stuff and we've got so much work to do, and then it turns out that it is not Tom Cruise. It is actually. Dougie Scott, who's had one of those gnarly face masks on, and uh, the scientist is killed, and it is stolen, uh, and he hopes to sell it on the black market to, to the highest bidder. Uh, very much, that's the plot. And what lets <laughs> that what, is indeed and, the plot. <laughs> and what lets Dougie Scott down is the fact that he wants a shag. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Fandy Newton plays Naya Hall. Who is this thief? Who, uh, who Tom Cruise is to recruit mm-hmm. uh, in order to take down Dougie Scott, who's called Sean Ambrose. Yes. Nia Hall used to go out with Sean Ambrose, so they're having to send her in to be the honey trap, essentially. Yeah, and again, there it's such a fucking daft idea because oh it's a total daft it's, idea it's a daft it idea gives... because they're just like right this is what's going to happen we need your help oh, and in the process Tandy Newton and Tom Cruise have a relationship and they're, they're kind of in love whatever yeah because so, you get the bit the Beezer line when like Anthony Hopkins is essentially Tom, uh, Tom Cruise's handler yeah uh, you get the Beezer line when he's been given this mission that he has to go tell the he's pumping and that he's kind of fallen in love with mm-hmm. that she's got to go back to her ex Andy Hopkins goes, well, this isn't Mission Difficult. This is Mission Impossible. Yeah, Difficult should be a walk <laughs> apart for you, Mr. Hunt. And then you're like, right, okay. Uh, but then you're just like, right, you're hinging on the fact that Dougie Scott is single, still still loves this woman in order for you to gain intel. It's so thin in terms of their planning and what they want to do. But ultimately... But that, that's the, how this whole franchise goes. Yeah. They just go, all right, I'll try that. Oh, I lucked it. Yeah, so <laughs> they they luck out with the, that idea and Tandy Newton, um, she, gets, she, she gets herself captured and then they're like, yeah, Sean Ambrose will be scouring the news and you're a well-known thief, you'll get put in the jail. He'll come, bail you out, take you to his Beezer fucking house in the middle of Australia, 
in Sydney, I believe. And you're like, and then it's like, right, and he'll fall in love with you, and you have to stay there and gain intel and find out what's going on. And yeah, she does that. And while she's doing that, Tom Cruise and her have the weekend of like, you know, well, I care about you, but I don't really, but I do, but I don't. And I, I'm, I'm just wanting you to be safe, and it's about the mission, but I kind of love you, but I don't. And you've kind of got that whole back and forth with a lot of them. And then, um, you know, but um, Sean Ambrose, Dougie Scott, um, his pal, played by, I believe, Sean Pertwee. No, it is Richard Roxburgh. Richard Roxburgh, sorry. Um, he. Is, I, I wrote that down because I knew you were going to make that mistake. I, it's, it's an easy <laughs> mistake to make. Because I made it as well. Yeah, so Richard Roxburgh <laughs> is like, ah, oh, man, she's up to something, she's at it. And then um, Dougree Scott basically does say, the, the character Richard Roxburgh plays is called Hugh, and he says, well, Hugh, I'm gagging for it. And then he cuts off his wee pinky as if to say, don't fucking second guess me, all right? If, I want, if I'm gagging for a shag. I, I was totally white. Was, I thought like, I was totally he's white. Just, he's just trying to look out for you. He's not saying you're yeah. an idiot, you know what I mean? He's just saying, look, approach with caution. We don't fucking know anything about this lassie just now. So anyway, that goes on. And then um, as, as, as the plot progresses... Uh, Dougree Scott finds out that she's actually working for IMF and then it all kind of kicks off. Uh, right. So they, took... they send in Tom Cruise to uh, destroy the virus mm-hmm. and any kind of information about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dougree Scott, there's a really good bit where they're talking about uh, how they're going to do the mission. Aye. So Tom Cruise is telling... He's working with uh, Ving Rhames, this first one with Ving Rhames. No, as, Ving, uh, Ving Rhames is in Mission Impossible 1, dude. Oh, aye, so he is, so he is. Mm-hmm. He's, Ving Rhames is the one that carries over, is yeah. what I mean. Um, so he's working with him, he's working with this other Australian guy who I can't remember his name. And he's kind of a uh, Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of a nothing character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're talking about how they're going to go in the building. Meanwhile, it kind of cuts between him and Dougray Scott telling his pals that um, Ethan Hunt's an idiot. He'll know because he won't go, won't kill people. Mm-hmm. He'll obviously try some stupid, insane stunt, which Ethan Hunt totally does. Mm-hmm. They do. He does that dive from a helicopter through these roof gratings. Mm-hmm. He's got like forty seconds or something to do it. Uh, and it's just one. Of, it's one of these atypical Mission Impossible big stunts. Yeah, um, I actually should know. Um, I think I made a mistake. Um, they they nick the cure, but they don't have the virus. Is that right? Should, uh, yes, he's just. Oh no! Is he not got Bellerophon? And then the reason that Dougie Scott and I are going in is because they need to get the Chimera because they yeah, need, they need they, the virus. They, to he, have he, the destroy, cure. he destroys the viruses, and it's the last of the cures. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, no, it's, no, it's, it's the not, last of the virus it's because not, he's, he, he's he's got. All the cures. It's the last of the virus because uh, Fanny Newton injects herself with the last virus. Yeah, because the whole idea of Sean Ambrose is he wants to sell it to a pharmaceutical company, but if you've got no virus, if they've they got a cure for no virus, then it makes no sense. So Tandy Newton, in order to stay alive, because uh, she's very much dead if she doesn't do this, she injects herself with it. And From when she injects herself, she has 20 hours. Yeah, she has 20 hours. <laughs> And then, uh, and that's not before she dies. That's before she becomes contagious. Yeah, and the whole idea is like that during the shootout, she injects herself, and Cruz can't get her and him out, so he gets him out. She 
Ambrose captures, well, takes her, and then the whole idea is that Cruz has to get to Tandy Newton and um, Sean Ambrose to save the day. And I, I totally marked out this, but and what I'm, a big, I'm, a, I'm a big mark for John Boo stuff. Yeah, and what uh, is and, and seeing Tom Cruise like jewel wielding and diving through the air and sliding along the floor while oh, popping caps and guys. It was, it was brown. fucking tits, is what it was, man. And then yeah. it's like after that. I mean, that's merely like an hors d'oeuvre to what you get next. Oh, and that's the start. Because that's like, where the film kicks yeah, off. Yeah, and it's half, it's three quarters into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, this isn't a short a short film even. No, it's not. But it's all, it's all plot and kind of as, as loosely you could call spy stuff. It, for oh like God, the first, I, it is like just like parts. yeah, it's like this is a spy film. That's that's the yeah. villain. That's the that's the villain. That's the MacGuffin, right? So anyway, gunfights, and, <laughs> then uh, it just becomes cool guy shit. And it really is like because after that sequence we're talking about, as uh, that is merely an order because what ensues after that is just the John Wooiest John Woo all over the John Woo sequences, doves and oh, everything. It's nice. just like fucking car chases. One point cruises on a motorcycle, and whilst it's still going, he cut the leaps off the motorcycle, and the and he's well, and he's still kind of um, driving the motorcycle while shooting guns, and then there's fucking vans exploding I, and all kinds of fucking really shit, and he, and he spins around and he's got the arm dragon, bang oh, bang that bang, is, bang. It's I, amazing. It's, it's all in slow mo cool. and everything. It is, it's great. Cool as fuck. <laughs> so dumb. It's so shite, but you're just like, ah, this is fucking great, man. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I hope he wins. And then <laughs> uh, come the end, he's got the fight with um, Sean Ambrose. Uh, he, does, he does some good kung fu moves. He does. I Like him and Sean Ambrose come leaping yeah. off their motorbikes in the midair and they kind of wrestle each other ground and they have a wee martial arts fight. All this time. Uh, they get the standoff thing, which again, every John Moore movie. Yeah, and uh, all this time, Ving Rhames and the the. the member of Cruz's IMF team are looking for uh, Tandy Newton's car- character Naya who's approaching a cliff because at the end of the day she's kind of decided I need to kill myself because if not millions will die but that's going on then the fight at the beach is going on and then at one point Luther uh, <clears throat> Ving Rhames' character Luther they, uh, they, they kind of come come in with Naya and the helicopter and uh, Cruz has the cure and then Dougree Scott's like Hunt, you should have killed me. <laughs> and then Tom Cruise defies the laws of physics. And you know oh, like you would chip, does. Yeah, you know how you chip a ball, right? So there's like you would roll the ball onto your foot and you chip it up, right? I mean that can be done, you know. What Tom Pru- Tom Cruise essentially does is he kicks a gun which is lying deep in the sand and it goes up vertically so well. He, so he, uses, he uses his foot like a sand wedge. Yeah, he does. Except he uses a toe. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's the it most totally in, would not happen yeah, that way. It's a total impossible thing to happen. And he jumps round and grabs the gun and takes out Big Dougree Scott and he saves the day and, and that's that. And Tim and Tandy Newton have a nice wee kind of walk off into the distance. And you're like, oh, that was MI2. A, a blistering high octane action film that is as high concept as, as high concept yeah, can be. and is not a good <laughs> it's a great action movie but not a good uh, Mission Impossible film no. given what you've been laid it, out yeah previous. That, that, apart from the inclusion of Ving Rhames and I think Annie Hopkins says here's your mission if you choose to accept it mm. 
That's it for uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. This is this is the license to kill of James of of Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible movies. Because yeah. you're like, there's no real. I mean, yeah, this terrorist who again, Dougie Scott was a former IMF agent. You're like, yeah, this guy who now is selling stuff on the black market or to the highest bidder. You're like, yeah, but there's no real. It, it, if he, if they don't stop him, there's going to be a global yeah, catastrophe. No real but there's no there's politics. No real there's no like yeah. country versus country or anything like that. You know, it's just I, gonna, it is a. I have a, a a note I have wrote down right. uh, whilst doing notes for Ghost Protocol. Is mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol is the first one with any world affecting stakes? That's yeah, that's true. So your movies in before anything really matters yeah. so okay but I mean there's nothing more to say about Mission Impossible 2 it is very much as uh, I said a Hans genre Zimmer film uh, yeah. very, very, Hans Zimmer soundtrack is very yeah, good that, that is cool but yeah it is very much a John Woo film featuring the IMF team <laughs> so I, I would say that Mission Impossible 2 whilst not the best Mission Impossible film no is probably my secret favourite. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, we'll get to that. I will, I, for ages, I was like, oh, MI2 is the best of the series. Yeah. But you're like, it's not the best of series, but it is the fucking coolest in terms it's the of mo- It's the most fun to watch. Yeah, well, anyway, that, so after MI2 being this high-octane action thriller, made a lot of money, uh, roll on 2004, 2005, I think it is. Uh, uh, and. We had Five. yeah, we had Tom Cruise was going to go to production with MI3 with Joe Carnahan and a bunch of other folk, but they walked. But then after he binged watch Alias, he recruited one J.J. Abrams to come on as a producer and director. So, Neil, do you want to take Mission Impossible 3? Mission Impossible 3, or Alias Season, whatever. Yeah. Um... Ethan Hunt has taken on a job as a, a trainer at IMF. He's no longer in the field for reasons. He's no longer a field agent. He's now an instructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, he's about to get married to a woman called Julia Mead, played by Michelle Monaghan, mm-hmm. uh, who she believes he works for the Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film begins with their, uh, I think it's an engagement party. Uh, uh, well, uh, actually, the film does a really weird thing the way it starts. It starts with a scene oh, right, towards yeah. the end. And right. then um, it cuts to yeah. the, the opening theme and that, and that, which is a strange start I, for I, yeah, I a motion it picture. For, for, of, like this, it felt, anyway, I'll get to why I thought it was strange. I, but I yeah. forgot it did the James Bond beginning. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to tell the people what the James Bond beginning is? Yeah, well, this, this is spoiler. Right, okay, yeah. So it kicks off with the flash forward to uh, Hunt being captured, Michelle Monaghan being captured. Uh, she's tied up and gagged. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays Owen Davian, who is yeah. a bad guy in this film. Yeah. One of the bad guys in this. Well, we'll um, get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has her at gunpoint and he's trying to find out from Hunt where the the rabbit's foot is 
the rabbit foot being the term for the MacGuffin. The MacGuffin, yeah. The MacGuffin that never ever comes into play. Which again we were gonna get to. <laughs> yeah. Um but So yeah. you get the count to ten and it seems like he's about to kill her. Then you get the music. Then it cuts to I think it was it four days earlier or something like that. It's it some, gives you the amount of days. Yeah, it's like so and so earlier and yeah. Uh, and it's it's Hunt and Julia's uh, engagement party. You get all the usual kind of, here's all the family members that they're going to have. You get the little bit of information that Hunt's parents have died. Uh, Hunt's parents were first mentioned in Mission Impossible 1. Yeah. And as a kind of plot device for the CIA who were chasing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find out that Mahonan has no... Uh, no parents either mm-hmm. so you get this it's nice family everybody's in love yeah. everybody's all she, friends she also so, doesn't know that he's IMF either he works well, at the, I said, the... I did oh did you sorry sorry sorry, sorry. Uh, if you want to just keep repeating my stuff <laughs> um, sorry man <laughs> uh, he gets a call halfway through the party uh, it's IMF he, he goes out and meets with Billy Crudup Mm-hmm. Who, for some strange reason, I did not write down his character's name, mm-hmm. uh, so I would just be calling him Billy Crudup. Yeah. Now on, uh, oh no, I did. It's uh, John Musgrave. Mm. John Musgrave is Billy Crudup for this. So he meets Musgrave in a Seven Eleven. They have a chat about how Musgrave wishes he was back in the field, that kind of stuff. Uh, they're all pally. Yeah. Just so um, you know, I'm just going to jump in. John Musgrave. Wonder, wonder if it was, oh man, David Miscavige, baby. <laughs> Maybe it's how we, how we nod, we nod I, I, his I, I, pal I, I, in Scientology. I never even thought about that because he kind of looks a bit like David Miscavige. Mm-hmm. Just, but again, it'd be weird because he's the, he's the villain. <laughs> but yeah, okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, Musgrave shows him a camera uh, um, Hunt takes the camera he gets given a mission where he has to go and retrieve someone uh, retrieve uh, um, a, former, a former student of his former student yes mm-hmm. I was trying to think of the word for the kind of military word for retrieve yeah I can't right now so we'll go with retrieve yeah. uh, who has been captured by Owen Davian and his cronies and uh, so they go and go and try and rescue her. Uh, mission's going okay. They get her, but she's been got this thing implanted in her head—a wee mini bomb—and it blows up. See, when she dies, it looks fucking honking because she just she just kind of jerks and her eyes. You know, go up, and I was like, "Fuck." See, I wish I had one of them in my head because <laughs> it would mean that when I die, it would be instant and you wouldn't feel anything. Okay. It'd be great. Okay. <laughs> We just stop. I just drop dead. I know. I know. Unless, unless you're Ethan Hunt, who's superhuman and outlasts way. He lasts oh, no, all he the way he does. Yeah, okay. He lasts longer than the four minutes that mm-hmm. he was given. Aye, longest uh, four minutes ever. Again, we'll probably get to that. Yeah. Um, so everybody's all sad. This lassie's died. But it turns out she sent Ethan Hunt a. Uh, it's like a postcard, but it's got a micro dot underneath the stamp. Yeah. Uh, which has got information regarding a mole with an IMF. Yeah. 
And again, like um, you, the audience is led to believe that it might be Lawrence Fishburne because he's a bit of a dick to the IMF team. Um, and yeah, so then Ethan Hunt and his team have to go and try and uh, capture Owen Davian to talk about to find out where the rabbit's foot is, etc., etc. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's it's probably point out that the mission that they go on to get Owen Owen Davian uh, isn't a sanctioned mission. Yeah, that's right. Um, but Billy Crudup, because he's Pat Cruz's pal, is like. Don't worry about it, man. Like, um, just just do what you got to do, and uh, like, I'll take care of Larry Fishburne. Because at one point, Lawrence Fishburne's like, "I what's, what's this fucking mission about? Who's what's going on?" He's like, oh, "I sanctioned it. Don't worry. It's oh, I want the paperwork, right? No worries." Yeah. But he doesn't know it's Lawrence past. Fishburne's very big on bureaucracy in this film. Well, up to a point, but yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get Davian. Uh, Davian, we'll call him Davian. Yeah, Owen Davian. Owen Davian. Uh, they'll capture Davian. And and bringing them back to Langley, so I thought was actually a really good action sequence. It was uh, where there's a drone strike on the bridge mm-hmm. that they're going over, uh, and essentially the terrorist organization retrieve Davian and blow up lots of stuff in the process. Yeah, in their helicopter uh-huh. and uh, with their drones. Yeah, it's cool because it is. It's a really cool action sequence. Um, but then it becomes like like Hoffman's really good in that bit because when he gets captured, he just like, "What's your name?" Because I'm going to kill you and everyone. No, I'm going to yeah. get your loved ones. And he's really he delivers it really well, man. He's a he's, he's a cool villain, quote unquote villain up until that point. Um, but yeah, and then the film is basically about trying to retrieve the rabbit's foot. Well, he's, he has to retrieve the rabbit's foot because Davian has stolen his wife. Yeah, but do you know what? Because- yeah. That's true, and then then we get the sequence of yeah. like yeah. But the, the thing... Michelle Michelle Monaghan in this film is a MacGuffin. <laughs> she she is, but so is the rabbit's foot in and in, in, in a really yeah. in a oh, really yeah. shit MacGuffin because as Neil mentioned, we don't throughout the film, you know the rabbit's foot is something, you don't know what it is, and you're never told is it a chemical based weapon, is it. Whatever you see, a cylinder. Yeah, you see, you see a cylinder right at the end. Yeah, which, show, which kind of shows there is a chemical based weapon. But like, when he goes and retrieves the rabbit's foot, or at least what he thinks is the rabbit's foot at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. you don't even see him going in. Right, you see the big stupid stunt where he he's on a rope and he goes from one building to the next in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. This big massive gap. You see him go through the window. In the lab, but then you don't see him. You get it cuts to the car where it's Maggie Q and um, John from Reese Davis yeah. having a chat and mm-hmm. a in a very alias style way yeah. of well, what's going on? Oh, he's only got this amount of time. Oh, what's going to happen? And then you see him. You see Tom Cruise then dive out a window, having completed that part of the mission. Yeah, it's so actually get nuts and bolts of the mission. Yeah, and. So, yeah, and then as the film progresses, uh, you find out that, you know, Owen Davian's not really the villain. Billy Crudup was in on it the whole time, which is dead obvious. Um, yeah, because it cuts back to the kind of pre-credit sequence, mm-hmm. and you find out that uh, when when Billy Crudup comes in after 
shot but Crudup reveals that it was this other woman from earlier in the film yeah. and that Mahon and uh, Julia still alive yeah and then it's like from the I mean that is then you get the end sequence uh, where you have Simon Pegg uh, whose first Mission Impossible film um, is helping Ethan Hunt try and track his wife and he does that a couple of fights ensue but he's also got a bomb in his head that is then activated and then his wife then he kills himself and his wife who's a nurse um, brings him back to life and Lawrence Fishburne is super pals with him after being a twat the whole time to him uh, and Billy Crudup just kind of is shot <laughs> like he's, he gets such a oh you just yeah Michelle uh, Monaghan the wife, the yeah, wife Michelle should, Monaghan brother. kills me like oh alright Michelle Monaghan who is given a gun for the first time in her character's life plugs Two highly trained operatives. That's true. In a very convincing fashion, like she's, it's, she's lying on the deck, backwards, yeah, aiming up the seats, like yeah. a professional. I mean, okay, so let's let, that was MI three. So let's talk about it, right? I, I think it's the weakest of them. Um, oh, it's is by far the weakest. See the star of it. It feels like an episode of a TV show. I mean, again, yeah, I've not the seen whole, Alias. The whole thing feels like an episode of a TV show. Yeah, it doesn't feel like and a motion picture. To, you know I mean? And I think that is... Uh, was this Abrams' first film? I don't know if it was his first. It might I'll, have been. It might have been. Um, because it feels like a guy who's directing something he's not quite used to, like the format of it. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like this is like a kind of first outing. Yeah. Um... So yeah, like that pre-credit sequence, I just thought was a strange way to start it. Because I'm like, you get this in a TV show, you do get it in films, but the way it kind of was executed, I was like, it just feels like an episode of a TV show. And then everything else about it just felt like an a, a elongated episode of a TV show. Yeah, uh, Owen Davy and oh, he's not the villain. It turns out it's Billy Crudup, and you're like, yeah, that's fine. But but the, the, to be fair, to be fair, it is written by Abrams, Kurtzman, and Orky. Oh so. yeah, names that are not great. Um, so, even the fact that you never find out really what the rabbit's foot is, I just thought was so. I just thought, oh, that's the screenwriters thinking they're clever. You're like, this is, this is his first film. Right, okay. And I just thought it was kind of. And it is, it is straight off the back of doing Alias. Alias, right, okay. And it was 2006, not five. Huh. Oh, well, there you go. Um, it's not bad. I just. Thought, oh yeah, I, I thought it. Was, I just think in in hindsight, having watched the rest of them, that I thought it was the weakest uh, of the Mission Impossible series. Um, it, so, yeah. Again, it's it's. I think it's it's a very slick film. Yeah, it looks cool. It's it's very much that JJ uh, JJ Abrams style, mm-hmm. but it's it's Alias style, not. Force Awakens style, mm-hmm. so it's it's a little more kind of really heavy on lens flare. Mm-hmm. The the kind of overall look of it's quite washed out and overexposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the villains are quite boring. Yeah, I thought Billy Crudup. I mean, I don't think Billy Crudup is that great anyway. I mean, he's cool yeah. as Doctor Manhattan and he's good and almost famous, but as I mean, Owen Davey, and you're like, yeah, he's kind of vicious in that. But Phil Hoffman. I kind- 
he, he's old though. He doesn't he do anything. Yeah, he just he's just like yeah, you're there. You're Phil Hoffman. You've just won an Oscar, so you're doing this yeah. nice cash in. Yeah. And Billy Crudup, heroin, like, heroin dude, he's not. Oh God, terrible. Um, Billy, and, and again, and again, there's the who do they work for question kind of props up, pops up in this one mm-hmm. a bit more prominently. Yeah. Um, and again, also there's no threat. It's kind of like they're chasing the rabbit's foot. They need to get the rabbit's foot, but this film is. Really, but they don't get. They don't give you a reason to fear it. it yeah, cause because it because it doesn't matter because it's only a it's a plot device yeah. as it, rather than actual story. Yeah, and again, the way you get the start of it, where they're at the engagement party, and Ethan Hunt is just being a guy. You're just like, yeah, so the film is about the fact that he loves his wife and he needs to save his wife. And I'm like, yeah. even that, as, as, as an IMF kind of, as a, sorry, as a Mission Impossible film, I'm just like, nah, because it's not, it's not really about that, but it feels in this film that that is singularly like what's keeping, that's what the audience should be honed on is the fact that. Yeah, because because you get a lot of the conversations with him and Ving Rames about how Ving Rames doesn't believe that they can have relationships in their time, their line of work. And those, that, those conversations and the script, some of it is so fucking forced. And yeah. you're just like, this is hokey and forced and I am just not fucking invested in this as much as I want to be. Um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah. It's, it's not really it's much It's not that... It's, it's decent. Mm-hmm. See, if, if it wasn't a Mission Impossible film... I would probably be a bit. I'd probably more. Yeah, it's all right. But because of the two that's come before it, and you've established you've started, characters. Yeah, yeah, you've established those characters. Mm-hmm. It feel doesn't feel like it's kind of realistic to those characters. I agree. In the world they they were in at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not much else. Not much else to say about MI three for me. I don't know if this is a telling thing. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise's haircut in that film. Oh, here we go. It's pretty boring. I don't really have a lot to say. It's just it's oh, a you never you never rated as MI two haircut. I know I'm going to I'm about to go back to that right, one. His okay. MI two haircut is the tits man. It's a total. It's like a late nineties kind of like it's just above his shoulder, kind of long. Yeah, but it's the way that it's cut. It kind of layers. Ah, it looks cool. Uh, it doesn't it, like a soccer mom. He does look. He looks like a soccer mom. Do you think if he looks like a soccer he, mom? He has AJ Styles' haircut. I, I think his haircut if you're is listening, way you better than AJ Styles. No, it's kind of the same as AJ Styles. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I there was probably a point in my life where I probably went to hairdresser and goes, kind of want it like that. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's cool. So, what what did you rate that haircut? Sorry, his haircut is a ten. In MI2. In, in MI2. <laughs> it is probably a four in MI3. Right. Well, speaking of fours, uh, let's uh, let's jump into Mission Impossible 4 because the Mission Impossible series had taken quite the hiatus after that because MI3 didn't really make... A, it made money, but not... It, I think it's like the, the... It made the lowest of the franchise, if I'm right. I could be wrong on that one. Um, but it didn't make the money expected. It kind of uh, Tom Cruise was having a lot of personal problems, jumping on couches, uh, also fucking being very loud about Scientology and saying that folk that are depressed shouldn't take pills, etc. So there was a bit of a hiatus from the franchise, and then Tom Cruise was kind of rebuilding his career slowly but surely. So then we go to I think two thousand twelve. 
2011. Oh, damn it, one year off. To Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, directed by one Brad Bird. I think it's his first live action feature. It is. It's also the first of the Mission Impossible films where the production credit is purely Tom Cruise. It is no longer Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. Yeah, that's so this right. is a this is a Tom Cruise joint. Yeah, also, from start to finish. I believe it's also co-produced by Bad Robots. I think Abrams was on as a producer full time uh, for the yeah, franchise at I... this point. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, again, we were. This is again a bit of a hiatus. So two, Neil said two thousand eleven. He said two thousand six for MI three. Yep. So this is. I think in many ways they're like right. We've still got this franchise, so we need to we need to do something. Um, do you want to take the synopsis for this, mate? <clears throat> Only voice this morning. I just blanked it there. Right. Okay. Right. Um, we start off. We've got uh, an IM. Well, what you assume to be an IMF agent uh, getting chased. Uh, he has documents which he has stolen from some guy. Uh, the other team, the other members of the team, which include uh, Paula Payton's Jane. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's Simon Simon Pegg's on this mission as well. Uh, yes. yes, Simon Pegg's Benji returns and is now a field agent. Uh, he's on the mission as well. Uh, things go awry when uh, the agent with the stolen goods comes across uh, an assassin too late. Leah gets Sido. iced. Leah Sado from yeah. Blue is the Warmest Colour, hmm. uh, who looks weirdly like if you were to put, if you were to mash Jennifer Lawrence and Taylor Swift together. Yes, I would, yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it kicks off into a Russian prison in Moscow where Ethan Hunt's cutting about, doing his best. Uh, um, Steve McQueen from The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mission now to break him out, which is now Paula Payton and Simon Pegg's characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he escapes this prison along with uh, this guy who he'd been getting information off of. Mm-hmm. Um, they get given a mission to infiltrate the Kremlin. Uh, whilst in the process of carrying out this mission, the Kremlin gets blown up. Yeah, because uh, they, they, they've been told to track down information on a guy whose code name is Cobalt, uh, played by oh, shit the actor Michael Nyquist. Yes, the actor that played is it Mikael Blomqvist in yeah. um, the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yeah. trilogy. Right, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um. So obviously, Hunt's team gets the blame. Mm-hmm. Um, they are I am it. IMF disavows him. Uh, the secretary, Tom, who's played by Tom Wilkinson, gives Hunt loads of information to carry out his mission uh, and where to find supplies to carry out the mission. Um, He's invoked ghost protocol. Yeah. And is a, uh, not statistician, is um, analyst played by Jeremy Renner. Um, is there to help as well because there's a yeah. there's a siege on the the car where they're having this chat. Tom Wilkinson's killed. They are believed killed, but they get away. And like you said, Neil, yeah, they they get told. Oh, there's a train cart full of cool shit. Go get it. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. On a kind of side note, his character is essentially Jack Ryan. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, Brandt, I just, think his name is. Just if you don't know what uh, an intelligence analyst does. Yeah. Not, not that intelligence analysts are really like Jack, Jack Ryan. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> man, kind of want to watch the hunt for Red October now. See how they went clear in present danger. Mate, that film is fucking boring. It's not. I think yeah, Clear Present Danger is so boring. Harrison Ford he's, he's walks, a CIA. In out, he walks in and out of offices holding papers. That's what CIA analysts do. I know, but that's boring, man. When it's Hunt for October, but he's having to infiltrate a fucking sub, submarine and possibly stop World War Three. It's fucking rad. Patriot yeah, Games is better than Clear and Present Danger. I don't know. I like the stuff for Willem Dafoe in the jungles. Oh man, what the fuck is that stuff? Anyway, right, we are going off topic. Anyway, <laughs> carry on, sorry. Right, okay. Uh, so the Kremlin's blown up. They've been disavowed. Ghost plot called on. So it's essentially uh, the plot then is uh, I was about to say Tom Hanks. <laughs> wow. Tom Cruise sent, uh, gets his team together, who is a returning Ving Rame. No, sorry, sorry. I'll take that one back. Yeah. Is a returning Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. as Benji as you know yeah. Paula Payton as Jane yeah. uh, who was the girlfriend well I'm assuming girlfriend he doesn't say wife of the agent who was killed at the start so has a vendetta against the, the assassin yeah. and this guy Brandt who is Jeremy Renner yeah. um, basically, so it's about them yeah we never said that Cobalt has actually got nuclear um, launch codes Yes, the bombing of the Kremlin was to disguise him stealing uh, essentially what you call a nuclear briefcase, which enables you to launch nuclear missiles Mm -hmm. from anywhere. Yeah. Some would call it the football. Yeah, the football. And then, so, yeah. So his team are then go to uh, Saudi Arabia where the assassin, uh, Leah Sado, has got, um, there's going to be a transaction where she wants diamonds for, in exchange for codes. For right? launch, yeah, yes. it's a launch code. Yeah, so you then get um, Tom Cruise's team are trying to set up. Um, they're basically trying to sabotage that meeting, but make it look as if like they're they're going to host two meetings where Paula Patton's going to play um, the the supposed assassin with the codes, whilst downstairs the real assassin with the codes is going to be tried to convinced to be given uh, them over to Cruise and Jeremy Renner. And you also get a fantastic scene where Cruz is in the tallest building in the world and he has to go outside to go up it. And the camera scenes and the camera angles and that are fucking great because yeah. they don't fake it. And Brad Bird but, is a really great director in showing you. I, I mean, I never seen it in IMAX. Watching it, I felt, I mean, I'm quite, I don't do heights well, but I felt nauseous watching it because it's so fucking high up. Well, Mission Impossible as a franchise has a reputation for Tom Cruise doing these ridiculously huge stunts. Mm-hmm. I feel this is the first one of the what we now expect of that level. Yeah, that's of, true. This this is like like you had the you had the in Mission Impossible one you had the one where they're stealing the knock list and he's been dangled from a ceiling. Mm-hmm. This is that times an exponentially huge number. Yeah, and it looks, visually it looks cool. I mean, they it do, looks they, really good. They do a really cool job of like having the camera on Cruise showing how high it is and then they do this really cool tra- uh, wide shot 
well, it's a zoom out shot where it's like, no, he's actually on the building and we're actually yeah. doing it like this. You're like, man, that's cool. That's good. And that's it good. is actually Tom Cruise. Yeah, which it's good. It's good audience. Sir- yeah, it's good service to the audience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, also, those white shots are quite good because it keeps showing you that the sandstorm that it's mm-hmm. is continuing in towards the city. So yeah. it's adding like an extra layer of of time yeah it's like we we got we've got there's a lot of, there's an extra added layer of pressure it's like they gotta do this on time and yeah. do this um so yeah uh, the deal goes awry um paul Patton is told to get leah sado but not kill her um paul Patton, like probably she's really cool in this man i think she's a really cool yeah, agent. She did, she's yeah, a badass yeah. man um but yeah so whilst that kind of fight is ensuing uh cruz has to go after uh the launch codes uh, and again the chase takes him into the sandstorm well there's a, there's a really good uh, there's a really good shot which I really appreciated where he's chased Nyquist through the hotel because mm-hmm. Nyquist didn't know he's following him until the Russian crew agents yeah. who have been chasing after uh, Tom Cruise the whole film since the Kremlin incident yeah, kind of catch him uh, and there's gunfire, so you get Nyquist runs off the escalator and runs through the hotel lobby and out the front door. Mm-hmm. So you get the same scene. You get the hunt chasing them, but it cuts to outside the hotel lobby door, but far enough back that as Hunt runs out the front door, mm-hmm. the sandstorm just comes over the top of the hotel, yeah. and you, and it's as if he's running to get away from the sandstorm. But then it cuts to a helicopter shot, mm-hmm. but it tracks tracks them down this grand promenade mm-hmm. uh, where you've got the shadow of the sandstorm looming in the background, yeah. get further closer to them yeah. and hunt chasing Nyquist to the point where they run under this building and you see the top of the building and as they come out of the build- the bottom of the, they come out the other end of this building, yeah. the sandstorm just takes over yeah the, there's some really fucking nice direction yeah in a lot of that chase sequence also at this point we don't know it's nyquist it's like uh, it's just some guy and then eventually he betters tom cruise and gets oh well, no you we, we know it's nyquist no, from he, the he, cruise doesn't know it's nyquist i because he, he pulls the mask off and yeah. like the, and you're like oh it's nice and again what's quite funny because you're like there's no way he could have outrun tom cruise <laughs> No, no, not a chance. Yeah, you're like, man, he's, no. But anyway, so, yeah, so that, they, they, they kind of bought that. And then it is basically just about them getting the the, the, the launch codes back. Um, and it's kind of cool because there's, there's a lot of, like, I mean, you definitely feel the tension in the drama. There's a couple of cool action sequences where at one point they're, <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think, they're, they're Paula Patton's actually, she's going in to seduce um, a... a... All right, yeah. Okay, well, you have to kind of... Oh, sorry, I'll tell you what, you you go. go, Tommy's missed out the whole last bit of this film. I do, yeah, Uh, sorry. They don't get get the launch codes back. Yeah, they they Uh, So, Cruz goes and makes a deal with, remember the guy that he helped escape the prison? Yes, that's right. Surprisingly enough, he reappears. Yeah. Big, Big bog down. Uh, he goes and meets him, and he's got a pal who's an arms dealer. He sells him loads of equipment, uh, but also shops them to the Gru. Um, 
so they then go and they find out that the the Nyquist is going to India, Mumbai specifically, mm-hmm. um, because he needs a Russian sat ex Russian satellite, mm-hmm. uh, which this TV magnate owns, uh, so that he can do the launch. Mm-hmm. So there's this really good James Bond esque scene <clears throat> of this big lavish party at this Indian TV magnate's mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Usual kind of bright colours, dancers, water fountains, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Where you get Paula Payton's character gets sent in to be the kind of the honey trap Mm -hmm. of this magnate guy. And the guy who plays him, I had a real look, I can't, I should have wrote down his name. He's a Bollywood actor, he's a really famous Bollywood actor. Uh, And he chews the scenery like nothing on earth. He's so cheesy. Yeah, I thought he was good, I liked him. Yeah, no, he's really fun mm-hmm. because he's really cheesy because he's going through, they're doing, it's this whole kind of she's seducing him scene, uh, but it's really playful and like, she's kind of gets violent like yeah, uh, anytime like he tries to be, tries to touch her and stuff and he it just kind of goes, oh, kind of into this and it's really dumb and it's just one of these scenes that just goes, oh, men are so stupid. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> while that's going on, uh, is uh, is that also, if I believe, I mean, I only watched it or not, when Renner is having to replace... Um, yeah, he's tra- having to replace uh, codes to try and shut down the satellite. Through this big fan, like heating duct. Yeah. And it's, again, you get a cool Mission Impossible stunt to do that. <clears throat> uh, so they get the code to shut down the satellite, because she eventually just puts this guy in a headlock and chokes him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't shut down the satellite because Nyquist's already at this TV comp- TV place mm-hmm. where he's been able to shut down the server mm-hmm. instead and uplink direct. So it's this big chase to get to Nyquist before he can launch a nuke. Uh, guy launches a nuke. It happens. Um, and... It's about then getting Nyquist and stopping the warhead from going off. Yeah, and it's cool because it's like the warhead. It's all is squeaky, loose. squeaky bum stuff. Yeah, and it leads to um, Benji and Paul Pat like try to get the uplink sorted because there's like electricity's got out, and then Cruz is chasing Nyquist trying to get the briefcase off him, and it leads to a fight in this um, this big garage. Um, it's like a robot car park. Yeah, it's like a robot car park <laughs> uh, with all these cool with all these cars. I don't know about cool. I mean, the majority of them are hatchbacks. I didn't see any Porsches or anything like that. Most of them were BMWs from what I could see. All right, okay. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah. So, Nyquist, Nyquist and Cruz have, like, the, the, because it is in this robot car park, as Neil said, there's a lot of, like, like cars and levers and things going all over the place and it's him and Nyquist fighting each other and the, the you know the briefcase is just getting away from him but then it goes up another panel and he needs to get it and it's actually a really cool it's, I think it's quite believable um, I, I think it was a really good sequence actually yeah it's not like Nyquist who's in like who's older than him and not as athletic or whatever he doesn't like best him in a really unbelievable way or anything like that it's more just well he doesn't really best him at all Nyquist killed himself yeah but that's what I'm saying it's like there, at no point during the fight you like why is Nyquist getting the upper hand here? Like, All right, it's, okay. it's, it's worked in a way where you're like, no, this is cool, I accept that. Yeah, it's and then, environment like, stuff which kind of yeah, makes as, Nyquist a believable fight. Yeah, and then, as you said, Nyquist uh, grabs the pace and just 
launches himself off to kill him because the countdown is still going on and it's the way that he's think he's going to vanquish Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt then gets in a car and drives fucking straight down right next to the briefcase and crashes, crashes the car. You know, um, airbag goes off. He comes out, grabs the briefcase and shouts, mission complete. And he tries to hit uh, hit the, the red button that will stop the warhead. But the uplink's not happened yet, but then it does. And then he, he hits it again and it skiffs off a building in New York and lands in the Hudson, I believe. And uh, oh, because it's uh, Seattle. No, sorry, it's it's San Francisco because it's the uh, it's the something needle that it hits. Oh, all right, okay. Oh well, there you go. Um, And then it skiffs at the water, and you get the it's kind of cool. So you get the Mission Impossible theme uh, playing as this happens, and then when it skiffs off and then goes the words like you know you get the whole like oh man they did it fucking all right. Then, See, I, to- I totally groaned at the mission complete line, but then I it, quite like how the kind of post-mission stuff, yeah. they kind of make a joke of it. Yeah, again, they make a joke of it. So Cruz does that. The Russian guys that have been after him, he says, listen, we are friends. This was, uh, you know, you contacted us. You wanted us to see all this. He's like, yeah, to clear. And it's, it's a kind of, yeah, you did it to clear your name. Right, Cruz needs to go to the hospital. And it cuts to, it kind of, it cuts to him and Luther. Um, it's the first time you see Ving Rhames in the film having a beer and Ving Rhames says did you actually say mission complete and they kind of laugh at how cheesy and shit is and that seems kind of a callback to MI3 because the, the MI3 they're having beers by the end of it as well and they're kind of having a, yeah. a chat um, but yeah so that's what so that's Ghost Protocol and then well no the, the other thing that it oh, kind of does yes. is uh, the whole way through it Jeremy Renner's character yeah. has been feeling guilty because he thinks that he got Hunt's wife killed, mm-hmm. that he was supposed to be, he was protective detail and he failed his mission. Yeah. But it turns out Hunt faked his wife's death and they are now in Seattle, she's now in Seattle, where this is this wee bit is taking place. Yeah, because um, yeah, you, you see and, Jeremy Renner kicking ass and then you're like, he's no, he's no one analyst and then he, yeah. gives, his, he gives his backstory. Yeah, uh, so that makes them all pals now. So yeah. Jeremy Renner can properly join the team, yeah, and then you get a kind of creepy wee scene where Hunt's pure watching his ex, his his wife from afar. Mm-hmm. But then, okay, she turns around and she sees him, but they can't be together, and that's kind of that's kind of their way of kind of writing her out of the next one. Because mm-hmm. um, she doesn't appear in uh, Rogue Nation, although I do believe she's in Fallout. Yes, she's in the trailer. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I... So yeah, I mean, and then yeah, like you said, they they, they all get a like Cruz puts on like three mobile phones. And it's like these are your missions if you choose to accept it, and they're they're all in. And then uh, like Ethan Hunt is listening to the mission should he choose to accept it, and then he goes into this mist, and then he the mist clears and he's gone. And it's like that's ah. Ghost Protocol. Um, I thought Ghost Protocol was great. I thought it was a it was a welcome return to the franchise. It kind of upped the ante uh, a lot of it. I thought, as I said, Brad Bird's direction I thought was really good. Uh, some of his visuals are cracking. Um, the, the the plot uh, the plot's fine. You've got a decent little espionage thriller with uh, the fact that two countries are now. Um, well, I mean, it's the old USA and Russia kind of thing 
been not rekindled, but it's you know it's covering that kind of ground. Um, the whole idea of the ghost protocol thing, you're like, yeah, okay, we've kind of seen this kind of thing where they just kind of go rogue, and it's fine. I thought they they go rogue in all of them. <laughs> yeah, but so it's, it's like <laughs> every single one of them. Yeah, actually, at one right. point <laughs> they go rogue. Yeah, it's amazing how IMF are still going up until this point. Um, but yeah, well, that, so, this is why I always question who do they work for? Well, this was with Ghost Protocol. What I mean by the, the whole Ghost Protocol thing, them going rogue, you kind of get answers in this, though, because the Secretary of Defense yeah. is pretty much set. I think it's the Secretary of Defense. But anyway, the Secretary kind of no, says. He's the Secretary of IMF. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, always refer to a IMF. So he says that they're invoking ghost protocol. So it's like, right, okay, mm-hmm. um, and it's up to hunt. I mean, this is like this global catastrophe, and unlike MI three, in this you are totally involved with the fact that cobalt could fucking end the world. Yeah, that for for me, this one's the first one that feels like a, a mission possible film mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that it's an espionage movie that yep. they're actual spies because uh-huh. they do spy stuff mm-hmm. uh, there's an actual global threat yeah. there's actual on a worldwide scale there's uh, there's things that could get fucked up mm-hmm. um, there's the plot rattles along at a good pace mm-hmm. Uh it doesn't do it at the expense of giving characters backstory or a reason to be there. Uh, everybody gets, you get the feeling for who everybody is within that team. Mm-hmm. Like you understand it, you get the feeling that you can understand that Benji's the, the kind of, he's a field agent, but he's kind of still new at it and he's the kind of tech, kind of jokey guy. Uh-huh. Uh, um, the Renner's the kind of moody, kind of, He's a tortured soul one, but he's a badass. Mm-hmm. That that Peyton is, she's kind of the conscience to a degree. Yeah. But yeah, she's still got her own baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, you understand, uh, Nyquist motivations. Yeah. He used to be what was he? he used to be former like uh, mi- Russian mil- Ministry of Defense, and he was more hardline. So you can see his kind of deal is that he never got the future he wanted. Yeah. So he's going to make it himself type thing. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed it more watching it this morning than I did watching it originally. I remember watching it originally and think, I mean, because we hadn't had a Mission Impossible film for a wee while then, I was like, man, Ghost Protocol is not just good. It's fucking great. It's, this is a really, really enjoyable film. And it, as it, and it breathed new life back into the Mission Impossible franchise because it made like six hundred plus million. It made money that I'm pretty sure they weren't expecting, um, and then that led us on to the f- uh, fifth of the franchise. Well, can I just uh, oh, make a couple oh. of points? And you've got the haircut to rate as well. Yeah, I have the haircut to right. He's got a good haircut in this one. <laughs> uh, it's. It's still, it's not as long as it was in two, but it's a nice kind of, maybe kind of chin length. It, uh, it kind of moves well. Right. It's very free. Um, I would rate it probably an eight. An eight. Right. Uh, also, there was a bit I pissed myself laughing at watching this film right, okay. where he's in the car with Tom Wilkinson 
and Jeremy oh, Renner. Oh God, I know what you're going to say. Jeremy Renner has been introduced <laughs> to him as the best analyst that they have. So instead of shaking his hand, he rudely asks Renner for a pen yeah. or a pencil, and he draws on his hand, and he goes, "Can you find Michael Nyquist from this?" And shows his palm of his hand when yeah. he's drawn this picture on Michael Nyquist's face. It's like mega and it's detailed. Rubbish. And it, yeah, no, but it's, I remember looking at it thinking, that looks mega detailed for oh, what's yeah, essentially. Oh, yeah, which, which is essentially, you had 10 seconds to do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I remember that bit. I think I was thinking, that's fucking that's shit. They, they, they shouldn't but, have done that. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I also wonder, like, uh, I maybe should have looked at the dates of this. Do you think Michael Nyquist got this role based off of... Well, he'll have got it based off of um, Girl of the Dragon Tattoo series. Mm-hmm. But do you think he got it because Maz Mickelson was busy? <laughs> Man, maybe. Maybe. Because uh, I mean... it seems like a, a kind of more Mads Mickelson kind of role. Well, I mean, was Mads Mickelson kind of prominent in 2011? So I'm kind of wondering. Uh, I don't know if he was, man. I think he was like later on, man. Like you know, obviously, you, even before, like, well, wait a minute. When was Casino Royale? Um... Oh, Casino Royale was before this. Yeah, and he was Le Chief. That's when I first. Like, yeah. Knew. Maybe it was like, well, we can't have him because he was in the Bond film. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh... Uh, any other points? Uh. No, that's it. Yeah. So speaking of Bond films, <laughs> we can we can move on to Rogue Nation. <laughs> we can. Uh, I'll tell you what, you do the synopsis because you're better than I am, so you go for it. Uh, right, Rogue Nation, I literally watched about nine hours ago. Right. I remember very little about this because <laughs> it's quite bland. Do you think it's quite bland? Uh, well, we I do. Also... All right, okay. Be- coming off the back of Ghost Pro- Protocol, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the good work that it does in Ghost Protocol has been a solid espionage thriller. Mm-hmm. This kind of it doesn't destroy, but it kind of knocks back a wee bit. And uh, this, I felt, this one played it a lot more looser. It felt a lot more like a Roger Moore James Bond film. Do you think, man? I okay, well, a wee bit of thing. So this was twenty. I believe it was twenty fifteen. It is twenty fifteen. Uh, written, I, I uh, written directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. Who? Yeah, written and directed. Yeah. Who did Way of the Gun and the Jack Re- and the first Jack Reacher? Uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Hunt return. Uh, Cruise returns as Hunt. Peg returns as Brant. Oh no, sorry. Peg returns as Benji. Mm-hmm. Renner's back as Brant. Uh, you now have... Is it Rebecca Ferguson? Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ving Rhames is back as Luther. Amazes me that Ving Rhames has been in every single one of these films. I know. It's kind of cool, though, because it means he's still getting work. Like of all, of like all the people. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have uh, Sean Harris plays Solomon Lane, who is a baddie. And the whole way through that film, I could not think what I've seen Sean Harris in. Uh, I know what you mean. Like when I was watching, I was like, "He's very familiar," but I couldn't tell you what. Yeah. Um, yeah. So go for it. Uh, and you've got Ali Baldwin as Alan Hunley. It was a, the, a welcome. This, yeah, he is very welcome in this. He plays the head of the CIA. So, 
Rogue Nation, one thing it does do well is it follows continuity. Mm-hmm. It takes place after uh, Ghost, Protocol. Ghost Protocol and is dealing kind of with the fallout of um, what's happened in Ghost Protocol, where IMF are back to being a, a kind of pseudo quasi government agency, except it works autonomously mm-hmm. and with no government oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, so where it's getting its funding, who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a proper black black ops, mm-hmm. um, and it's what you have is the CIA want to shut them down uh, it, because they have run. But they want, with, they, want, they, want, they want all their assets, is it not? Yeah. Well, they essentially integrate. Yeah, yeah. All their assets, but what they want to do is they want to shut them down as this autonomous, and I believe this is where they say that they are an, an autonomous agency that have run without oversight. So there's no accountability for anything that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one takes responsibility for anything, and the CIA aren't happy about that. And to be fair, and well, I still would have been 2015, even in 2015, cut, uh, closing down. Black op operations, which cause ha- havoc all over the world, could be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these warmongers and that, uh, and what it is is Cruz has been missing. Oh no! See now I'm forgetting. So Cruz, right? I'm going to take this back to the start, Tommy. That's okay. Because I just remembered you get your big stunt right at the start of this film. You do. So, the start of this film is there's an aircraft about to take off. In Belarus, I believe. Belarus, mm-hmm. yep. In Minsk. Which I didn't realise Minsk was in Belarus. I thought that was in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got Benji trying to take over the electronics of the plane. Uh, you've got Renner in mission control, kind of being the Pamela Landry yeah, of this of the IMF now, mm-hmm. um, and you then get Tom Cruise on the side of the plane trying to get a door as the plane takes off, and it's him doing it for reals. Yeah, was cool as fuck, and it's it's like a GoPro on the wing of this plane taking off, mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise hanging on to this plane, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. It does look cool as fuck. It looks really good, and then. Through comedy of errors, where Benji keeps opening the wrong doors, uh, he opens the big one at the back for loading stuff onto the plane. Then he opens the door that suit. Then the air pressure then sucks Tom Cruise in this plane, and he almost yeah. scuds right at the other one. Yeah, that was great. Uh, but by then, it's alerted these terrorists uh, to come and check the back. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise has found that it's uh, is VX nerve gas. Y'all remember VX Nerve Gas from The Rock? The Big Rock. Right. Uh, so it's big canisters of that and on a pallet. So Tom Cruise, the Russian guy connects himself on so he doesn't fall at the end and he's gets back to Tom Cruise. So you get that scene where Tom Cruise isn't on the scene. Guy turns, connects himself on, turns back. Tom Cruise is in front of the VX Gas. He's connected onto this pallet. And he just pulls his zip cord. And he's got this cheesy grin in his face. Then you get the Mission Impossible music starts, mm-hmm. and then it's Cruise in London, 
goes to this hipster record shop, which seems to be in a tunnel somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, does all the, the spy chat, gets handed a record. Uh, we learn that there's a thing called the syndicate and the syndicate are are the good are the bad guys, but they're, the apparently, I, they're pretty much IMF. But the, op- yeah, IMF. the opposite IMF. Yeah, they're evil. Uh, IMF. So the the tail crew is not to come looking for them because they'll do all the killing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So the gas crews, he wakes up and he's like, "Fuck! I better go find these guys." Mm. Um. He gets captured. Oh no, he gets captured when he's been gassed. Mm-hmm. Uh. And he's about to get tortured by Rebecca Ferguson's character. Uh, but this other big mad guy comes in who is called the Bone Doctor. Yeah, the Bone Doctor. Be- because he's got lots of surgical instruments, which he obviously uses for torturing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rebecca Ferguson lets him go. Uh, they escape after kicking a lot of folk in the face. <laughs> uh Ferguson, who is now is working as an actual double agent mm-hmm. for the bad guys for the syndicate and for MI5, goes back to the syndicate to kind of keep her cover. Uh, the IMF. Meanwhile, you're seeing uh, this government committee that is which has investigated the IMF and the C- and Ali Baldwin CIA uh, head want to shut down IMF. We find out that the uh, Ali Baldwin has been successful, so therefore Hunt has been disavowed, mm-hmm. and he's to come in. Yeah. Uh, so Hunt goes rogue. I guess. With a guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uh, about. So the film is basically kind of twofold by this point now, where it's now Hunt searching for the syndicate. And also the CIA, who Jeremy Renner is now working for, but kind of working against at the same time, yeah. uh, their search for Hunt. So it's a cat and mouse game on yeah. all fronts. Yeah. Um, again, that's that's really it, isn't it? It's just they need to find the syndicate. Yeah, everything, everything after that is just set pieces. I mean, you say it was like a, you felt like it was like a bland film, like a Roger Moore Bond. I actually really, I, for this was my second time watching Rogue Nation, and I really enjoyed it to the point where I was like, man, I can't decide which one I preferred, Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation. Probably still Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is by far better. But I still, I, th- I, I said this to um, good friend of the podcast and fan of the Mission Impossible series, Lee McPherson, that I think that Rogue Nation is kind of where the, the MI franchise needs to be. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's weird how we've gone... It's kind of like the Fast and the Furious movies where the longer it's got on, the better it's got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Apart yeah, from, no, apart I, from I, MI3, I agree with that. I guess. But Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation and the reviews for Fallout are rave. The, everyone is saying it's shit hot. I'm like, man, this is like the Fast and Furious effect. <laughs> it's like, after film number four, it's getting better. <laughs> but, I, when, I, when I say it, I'm not saying it's a bad film. Mm. I'm not because like three is rubbish, but I still kind of enjoyed three mm-hmm. at the same time. I still enjoyed it. This is this is be- this is better than three. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I just felt going from Ghost Protocol, which <clears throat> 
was really good as an espionage movie, mm. but also having those action movement, those big action plot points. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one just kind of took a slight step back, and I just didn't feel as connected. Okay. Um, I will say this. I thought the Rogue Nation, I thought Rogue Nation is the best villain. Again, I didn't think the villain was that good. I mean, he's very... It doesn't really do anything. He's he's Blofeld. Yeah, he's he's very much Blofeld. But I thought he was a. I thought I liked. I, I thought the way the uh, the syndicate operated in that. I mean, again, the syndicate. You're like, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a spectre. Um, so it's kind of like I, <clears throat> I, I I was fine with it though. You, do, know what you I mean? see where I'm making the James Bond comparison? Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, like I I liked uh, Rogue Nation. I thought if it was Ghost Protocol first. I would say Rogue Nation then as a Mission Impossible film, but yes, the the secret with MI but MI two is secretly like oh my god, this yeah. this film's so fun. But again, I thought Rogue Nation was a step. I mean, Ghost Protocol was a step in the right direction. I think Rogue Nation was a nice a f- a foot forward, and the fact that um, the villain from this is captured and he's going to feature in the second one. Is yeah, I like I like well. the I like that there's actually now continuity. Yeah. To this. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that. I enjoyed like I enjoyed the bureau- bureaucratic elements of it as mm-hmm. well. Um I just well, all of them have had a degree of humour to them. Mm-hmm. I just felt there was periods of this one where it's a bit heavy on it. That there's too much kind of there's a bit of kind of that knowing bit too much knowing wink. Like with the scene where they're discussing how they're going to get into that uh, thing to replace the the file, you know, the war mm-hmm. kind of thing. That sequence wasn't great. I thought that yeah. was again. This I know it's a Mission Impossible film, but I was like, I didn't really. I wasn't as pumped for that scene as I think they wanted me to be. Well, you've had your big stunt right at the start. So. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, that that scene was more reminiscent of. The knock list fest from the first one. Mm-hmm. It was quite low key. But the thing which kind of I didn't like was when they're in the villa before that, mm-hmm. describing how they're going to get in. There was too much of kind of Simon. I think Diamond Peg is what I'm trying to get at. He was too Simon Peg in the film. Because mm-hmm. at that point, he's talking about how, well, you just got to hold your breath for a few, few minutes. That's no problem. Doing all the get, kind of gaggy or it's, it's going to be no problem for even that kind of thing yeah. and then later on when they're in the car and they're, they've been overturned and he's doing all the crap chat about how uh, he, they've got to get him out and always oh, he's knife and things there's too much kind of I, I know what you're trying to say I know what you're trying to say that's what made it feel like the kind of bond okay um um but it's in no, it's in no way a bad film. Yeah, have you got? Uh, it's oh. a good. Uh, it's a good film. Yeah, it's just. I think going back to back for Ghost Protocol, it was the weaker film. Okay, right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, how do you rate his hair? Uh, I've wrote bad. Okay. Here. <laughs> I don't think it was anything. I don't think it was bad. I just it was just. I mean, I again, I, I've not been paying attention to the hairstyles as much as you were thought as much about it, but I'm like, yeah, his hair's fine. Yeah. I, I remember not being that good. Okay. 
Right. Uh, I'll give it a solid five. Right. So, in the ratings of MI Hair, two's the best, then the best. one, then... No, it was, it was two, then four, then one. Two, four, one, uh, and... Uh, five, then three. Right, okay. How... Okay, so would you say out of this franchise, Ghost Protocol is your favourite Mission Impossible film? But... No, I would say Ghost Protocol is the best. Mission Impossible is still MI2. I would say 2 is my favourite. Right, okay. Um... Another weird thing about Rogue Nation, and and maybe just me, I found it odd that the cast Rebecca Ferguson and and she looks a hell of a lot like Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, like seeing the trailer for Fallout. I never kind of referenced anything like that. Yeah, like I remember watching the trailer for Fallout and at one point I was like, who's who? You know what I mean? I was like, is that Michelle Monaghan or is that Rebecca Ferguson? But then obviously I'm like, well, no, duh. It's like obviously that's Rebecca Ferguson, that's Michelle Monaghan, but they do look very similar. They look very similar in a lot of scenes. Yeah. And I wonder will that come into play in Fallout? Well, will there be a scene where she has to play Michelle Monaghan? Well, we'll wait and see. We will wait and see. Uh, have you got any more notes? Yeah. Have you got any more notes? Sorry, dude. Uh, no. Uh, nah, that's pretty much it. Oh, just... Um, oh, no, I, I touched on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Kind of nothing I've got to say about Rogue Nation. Um... As a series, as a franchise, I'm quite impressed with the way that Mission Impossible has went. Has evolved. Yeah, has evolved. Because when Free came along, I honestly thought that was dead in the water. Yeah, it really. Well, I mean, it, it, I think a lot of people did, given that the, it didn't make the money they hoped it would. It wasn't as well received as they hoped it was, mm-hmm. and like Cruz's kind of behaviour at the time is like was a bit, you know, was folk were kind of looking as if say, oh, geez, oh, you know, would, would have maybe hurt the box office. Yeah, and, I mean that's why it took so long. And then, as I said, the Ghost Protocol making all that money's. Um, and kick-starting the franchise again. Again, like the Fast and Furious franchise, because yeah. I mean, Tokyo Drift didn't kill it, but it was de- it was pretty much Tokyo dead. Drift, bro, you yourself. And then when they brought Fast and, the Fu- Fast and Furious, and it's like, oh, well, we've got Paul Walker, and we've got... Um, yeah, they kind of... They, 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 they soft-rebooted, they and soft in a sense, yeah. both protocol uh-huh. soft-reboots as well. Yeah, but again, going, as I said, yet to watch it, I'm looking forward to it. I remember seeing the first trailer for Fallout and was fucking like jazzed balls. I was like, this looks fucking great. This looks cool as fuck. And going I, by I the, love the, the trailer where Henry Cavill kind of pumps his fists, pumps his arms, pumps yeah. his arms, and there's like kind of a, a shotgun noise as he does it. Brilliant. Uh, well, as I said, man, like. It, it looks as if this franchise has, like you said, soft reboot or not, is only getting better, or is only, it's go, it's, sorry, it's continues to evolve and continues to perform well at the box office. And... I, I wonder, I wonder though, see if Tom Cruise wasn't in this in these movies, mm-hmm. I don't think they would be as successful, well, was... and not not so much on a a financial kind of side. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Cruise gets a lot of grief 
as not being that great an actor, I think he carries these films. Uh, yeah. His, his level of charisma carries these films. Yeah. Because like, there's, a, there's a bit where, in MI2, where um, Dougary Scott calls him a grinning, says grinning like an idiot mm-hmm. when any time he's had to do the double for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to a degree, that kind of helps Tom Cruise through this film because he does so much dumb stuff and he blind lucks it the way all the way through it to survive. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think you called him Archer. Yeah, he's he's very he's very much in that Archer mold where stuff just happens and kinda gets away with it. Yeah. Um I mean, fair play to Cruz as well. I mean, he's 55 and still looks the part. You know, he's still fucking doing all these incredible stunts. That's a Scientology for you, mate. Well. Big Zeno is keeping them young. (laughs) Oh, well. On that bombshell. uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, this has been a pleasure, man. Um, Right, so when's Fallout out, Tommy? The 24th. Wrong again. 21st. You get 25th. Damn it. For... For the week, for the like the past Third. three months, Is it months, when you keep, well, for the past three months, when you've said every week, oh, I'm missing impossible fallouts out next week. I'm just and so you've fucking, been incorrect. I know, man. I'm you've s- been incorrect. I'm so fucking you desperate. I want it out now, man. I want it out now. But um, now this has been a pleasure. Um, me and Neil and Paco will be getting well. If 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 Paco if chooses Paco to get involved, yeah, his episode to get involved should he choose to um, we will be doing other films uh, supplement episodes like this uh, we're gonna me and Neil I think <laughs> uh, ones to look forward to are the new Halloween movie that's gonna be coming out we're gonna try and watch all the Halloween films and maybe do one on that um, and we're also like we're gonna watch No Holds Barred and Over the Top <laughs> and talk about that and I think it's what was the reason for that? Is it because Hogan's been reinstated? <laughs> it was because Hogan got reinstated to the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Like, well, let's watch and, No Holds Barred. <laughs> and we, yeah, you said we should watch No Holds Barred. And I suggested we watch Over the Top as well. Because for some strange reason, both of those movies are intrinsically linked in my mind right. as being if you watch one, you have to watch the other. Okay. So, I think it's because they're both dumb kind of fake sports movies. They are fake sports movies. Um, but anyway, that that was our that was our episodes. Um, we'll be recording the usual <clears throat> raps in the kit uh, raps in the kitchen episodes uh, soon, next couple of days. So we'll have that up for you as well. Um, but where can they find us, Tommy? Hmm? Where can they find us? Well, I'm just getting to that. Thank you. Uh, you can find us at Twitter uh, at Raptors Podcast. Uh, you've got Neil is Scorch eight oh eight. I'm at Vast Destruction. Uh, Paco is at Paco UK. I mean, he wasn't involved, but you know, tweet him. You know, he'd like that. Um, ask him what he was doing instead. I won't tell you. So there you go. You know, you, you can he's check been, he's been watching videos of The Last of Us on YouTube. <laughs> um, and again, Raptors in the Kitchen Facebook page. Um, like, share, give us a wee review. Um, subscribe. Subscribe. Yep, you know what to do. The whole tell your friends. The whole shebang. Email tell us. Tell your mums. Yeah, tell your mums. Um, 
yeah so anyway that'll do it thanks Neil thanks for joining and thank you very much Thomas. this has been very fun and we'll, as I said we'll have some in the future but for now that was Rabs in the Kitchen Supplemental